Welcome everyone to the next installment of our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Uh, today is April 6th, we're on day 34 of our global work from home. But our involvement with this crisis goes back to late January and we know that thousands of businesses around the world are facing the same challenges that we've been through and thought it might be helpful to share some of our experiences and uh, what we've learned along the way. So we are here today with Laura McCafferty, who is the Senior Director of Global Internal Communications at Indeed. Laura, thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here, Chris. Thank you for having me. All right, well, let's um, start just with, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great today. It's 68 degrees in Stamford, Connecticut. It feels like spring has really officially arrived. So that's a really nice thing. That is great. Let's uh, back up a little bit. You actually just started at Indeed back in, in November. So you had only had a, a couple months to get your feet under you here. What, what were you working on right before this uh, story started to break in, in late January? I think like anybody who's joined a new company, I was spending my first two months. So I was about eight weeks in when all of this started, um, meeting as many people as I could, really trying under to understand the culture, how, works, how work gets done, how teams work together. And at the same time, doing an assessment and understanding of my own team. So there were a number of people here already in place. So, you know, learning about what they were working on, what interests and motivates them, uh, and just sort of, you know, seeing how they all plug into the bigger picture. So let's just walk a little bit through the, the timeline. Tell us kind of what happened when, um, you know, the first questions started cropping up from employees about these news stories and, and what the role of internal communications was from the very start. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So in anticipation of this, uh, this conversation this morning, I went back and took a look because it felt like early on we were just churning out like so much content and so much communication. So I was curious to see like, what did we actually do and what was the timeline? And so the very first thing that we did, which was at the end of January, was to send a note to employees that was you know, really just very top line to say like, hey, if you've traveled in and out of China recently, there is an outbreak of a new illness, it probably makes sense not to come to work for two weeks if that's the case. You know, we'll keep you updated as we learn more. Um, and so that was on January 28th. And then nothing really happened for a week. And so from the next Friday, which was February 6th or 7th, until March 4th, when we decided that we were going to have all employees work from home, we sent out 45 additional communications. So I think that tells you a little bit about just the pace of what we were learning and the decisions that we had to make as an organization and then how we had to share that with the, the company. So that's not 45 different communications to everybody. There were a lot of things that were happening in certain pockets geographically as we were sort of tracking the, the um, disease itself and potential exposure that people were having and who had been traveling and that sort of thing. So as a communications team, we were doing a lot of execution around messaging, but we were also having a lot of really thoughtful conversations around 
what are people feeling? What are they worried about? What are the kinds of information and resources we need to make available to them? And then how do we arm leaders with the right information so that they can answer the questions that people are bringing to them as well? Given that your team had been around for a little while, but you were newer and you were still kind of figuring out um, what the team's role was and how things were going to work. How did this unfolding uh, of this sort of immediate need for the communications team to really step up and play a kind of central role, how did that shape how you think about the, the team and, and how is that different from maybe what your role has been like at, at other places before? Yeah, well, I think what happened right away on that second weekend, so that first weekend in February when we saw things were going to change, um, is that it became clear to me right away that this was going to be a 24 hours a day operation, at least in the very near term, to get us through those first couple of days. And so having people in a variety of time zones with a variety of different personal commitments outside of work as well, what I had asked everybody to do was I just like put a Google sheet out there and I said, just fill in when you're available in four hour increments for the next 72 hours mm -hmm. so that I know who I can connect with uh, to help reach the right people, get things done and to back me up as well so that I can sleep now and then too. And right away, like it wasn't like anyone filled out like two four hour blocks for the weekend, like people covered the chart um, and left themselves really little time for sleeping and eating and those things that we all have to do. And so to me, that just spoke volumes uh, to the, about the team. Like I didn't have a lot of information. They didn't ask a ton of questions. They basically were like, if this is something you're asking for, this is something that we know the company really needs. And so we're here. Um, and so that was, um, like really gratifying, but also comforting because honestly, I didn't know going into that, into that sort of weekend was like, is, am I going to be doing this myself? Like, who can I really tap into to help get this stuff done? And it was literally everybody. Um, and they have continued to demonstrate that every day in every way um, going, you know, since that time, I would say. Um, I think the other thing is that because there's a variety of tenure from the team from I'd say about six years to about a year and then me being the newest. Everybody had a perspective around things that had happened, of course, nothing to this scale, but things that had gone on before and things that worked and didn't work. Um, that saved me the time of sort of bumbling through some things because we had some um, historical experience that we could, uh, you know, like true back to, which was really helpful as well. So clearly, and I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of different folks around the organization, um, you know, in, in large part, because this has been a team effort, right? There's no way that we would have been able to get through the last couple months without everyone getting together and collaborating. What specifically did you see as the role of the internal communications team in terms of working with all of these other groups? Yeah, I mean, it, it actually came to play in almost every interaction and every decision. So the, the COVID-19 crisis team, now the health crisis team itself, you know, was this great collaboration between HR, internal communications, external communications, IT had a huge role to play. 
Um, but every decision that was made had a number of stakeholders that had to be involved. And then communications tended to be the people that had to get it over the line. And so everybody else on the team had a great deal of sensitivity knowing that their, their role in getting the decisions and the information that we needed so that we could do what everybody was sitting around and waiting for was really important. And so uh, it, it truly was a team effort in knowing like we've got to move quickly and we have to help to make this, all of this happen for, for people. Um, and I would say the other thing is that one of the things that the internal communications team did, I think a really nice job on was all of the handoffs among team members. So because there were like, I need to sign off at six o'clock and somebody else is taking over, like just behind the scenes, really nice updates around, here's where this is, here's the decision we're waiting on, here's what the next step is. And it was really seamless behind the scenes. And I think what we've seen that it really worked successfully is in the feedback that we've gotten from the organization around the timeliness of the responses, the thoughtfulness, um, where we may have like missed a beat, like, oh, we didn't think about that as a downstream question. Um, people really gave us the benefit of the doubt and we quickly followed up on that the next day. And so there were, I would say like no harsh judgments at all. It was all like, hey, we know you guys are making decisions really quickly. We really appreciate it. When you reach out next, can you let us know about X, Y, Z? So even though there, it was being driven by the, uh, the crisis team and delivered by the internal communications team, I really felt strongly the whole organization has approached this as a team, that we're all in this together. And um, they know that we're just like the messengers, but hey, here's something else you need to think about, which has been so constructive and really helpful, I think, in us being able to be successful is that nobody was pointing any fingers around anything being missed. Let's just help continue to, um, to share what we need to share. So um, getting, getting back to that timeline, because there have been a handful of phases. There was the, you know, this is a news story and we knew that was affecting some people because they might have families in other countries or they might come from other places to then it's starting to have an impact in, on Indeed employees and their families. And we're making decisions to have certain offices work from home. And then we made this decision in the beginning of March to have the entire company work from home. What changed in terms of how the role of internal communications and what you and your team had to do from when we were in this phase of things affecting certain offices to then we made this decision that was affecting the entire company all at once? And, and how, did, how did you sort of have to evolve or adapt during that time? Yeah, I mean, I would say in the three weeks leading up to that decision of everybody working from home, it was literally like sometimes we were sending out two, three communications in a day because there were decisions and then downstream decisions and communications that had to happen. So we were much more in the reactive mindset because things had to happen and had to happen quickly. What happened once people moved to home is that we actually had the opportunity to take a breath and step back and think about like, we are now moving into a whole entire different reality for what it means to work at Indeed and what's the experience that people are having. So we could be 
um, I don't want to say more thoughtful, but it is a little bit maybe more thoughtful about the kinds of things that we wanted to get out of communications, as well as how we could use communications to help people be successful. So the first kind of thing is really just around the what do you need to do to get work done? So there's the access to tools and you know other sorts of things so you can actually just physically do your work. And then the other piece, which has really grown, I think, to be a bigger piece as time has gone on is how do you help people stay connected and engaged and feel like they're not alone and that their voices are heard? And so, so much of the communication early on was um, outward to people. It's like, here's information we need you to know. What we've done since then is to create a lot more channels and platforms for it to be more of a dialogue. So, you know, we've sort of been like, how can we really use Slack in a way that helps enable the business until now? And then once everybody moved home, one of the first things we did was stand up a bunch of different Slack channels that would tap into people's interests and also their concerns. So some of it was fun around sharing your work from home view. So what are you looking at? What does your office look like? You know, what's passing by on the street to really specific questions people had. So resources for parents that are struggling with, how do I get work done when my kids are at home? And then schools started to close. So how do I teach my kids get work home from, you know, work done while I'm at home and make dinner and do everything else and not let my teammates down. So really solid resources that address the reality. And then this great conversation that's just happening organically through, um, through Slack and some of our other channels. Um, the other thing that we did is we opened a couple of different specific mailboxes for questions. So we can make sure that we are hearing and answering the concerns that employees have. And early on when people first uh, you know, were dealing with the outbreak itself and then working at home, we were triaging those questions 24 hours a day. I think we're probably still at around 18 hours a day because of the time zone, but one of the principles behind this was that we didn't want people like sitting on questions and worries and concerns and really getting back to them uh, just as quickly as we could. So a hundred percent, I mean, the, the teamwork and the, uh, the, participation of so many people to make sure that people's voices are heard and issues addressed. And then just taking time to, you know, share a laugh and some, you know, just fun and funny. We have a cooking channel where I've like, I have made a bunch of the recipes. There are some very talented cooks here at Indeed. So I'm, I'm hoping that continues uh, even when we get back to work because it has really upped my dinner game quite a bit, I have to say. <laughs> So in, in terms of the strategy and the role of internal comms, one big part has been helping people navigate this change and what's going on in the world and what's going on in the company. At the same time, we're still running a company with 10,000 people and people are working on things and there's initiatives and there's news. How are you balancing those two things and, and how's the team adapting to that? Yeah, I think that the team is is feeling a little like ready to get back to business as usual. And I think that has happened, right? So the emergency urgent content, content that had to happen initially, just to get everybody settled in sort of the new world order has stabilized quite a bit. And so now, you know, the focus really is shifting to what are we doing to help 
job seekers in this unprecedented time find work? And how do we elevate those stories within the company that really call out the tremendous efforts that people have made to pivot their focus with great agility and adaptability? I mean, there are people in the organization who were deep into projects that they felt really passionate about that they understand now they're just gonna have to put that on hold because right now our focus just needs to be different. And so those sorts of stories, I think, are really, really important for people to hear. And then I think the other thing is just continuing with this cadence of being really open with people about what are the things that we're doing to address not only what's happening in the external market, but what's happening internally so that people aren't creating stories and anxieties that are worse than what the reality really is. Um, and the best way to head that off is through candid and consistent communication. Uh, so just continuing to do the things that we've been doing, shining the light on the work that's going on to continue to advance our, our mission uh, and, you know, continuing to stay connected as a team um, because we've missed that opportunity to be together like every other team in the business has. So we have our formal meetings and then our informal, we do a virtual lunch at least once a week where we just, it's like the rule is no talking about work, like just talk about anything else, just so people can sort of uh, like just be people uh, in this crazy world where we are right now. What has changed most for you personally about working from home in terms of how you're engaging with other sort of partners within the company and with your team? I think the unexpected gift of this uh, situation is that I have accelerated building relationships with people and my team at a pace that would never happen in the normal course of business. So within the team, people have been tested and asked to do things that, you know, are beyond the normal scope of their job. Um, and they've had the opportunity to stretch in maybe ways that they normally wouldn't have because they've been asked to do things that maybe aren't in their normal scope. Um, so it's given me an opportunity to sort of see the, the strengths and abilities of members of the team that would have probably taken me at least a year uh, of, you know, trial and projects and, you know, sort of other kinds of things to be able to see. For just me personally getting to know other people in the organization, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, from being on uh, two different teams now related just to the crisis and then all of the downstream impacts of the decisions that we're making, um, just the connections with people, the um, sort of democratization that happens from everybody being at home on Zoom, um, in your sweats or whatever, like you know, your dog barking, your kids coming in, it just changes the work dynamic in a way that, like, I don't know that I would have anticipated. Um, I also just feel like so much more um, a part of the organization. I think just quickly, like, I've been here now four months. I feel like, wow, I've been through so much together with this team. I feel like really committed and dedicated to my colleagues and um, have just learned so much from people. And I think people's willingness to also just stop and listen to me and my perspective from, you know, work in other places where I've been, but also just like a human 
like I'm home and experiencing these things too, or I'm, you know, trying to balance some personal things with some professional things and how people have stepped in to just really help each other. I think just puts us so much further down the road in a relationship where maybe you would be as a, as a new employee and a new leader at an organization. One thing that has been striking about all this is because a big part of what your team has been doing is helping people navigate through something that is actually a global news story. Um, I think always in a company our size, you have to think about internal communications from a perspective of the things that we say internally could be shared externally. And so it's, it's, you know, there's a very fine line there, but early on, we just saw every single day, if we sent out a note in our Dublin office, asking people to work from home and that we were going to do a deep clean because someone had visited there that was on the front page of, you know, the Irish independent the next day. Have you had to think differently about how we approach internal communications, knowing that the things that are going on are of interest to the outside world. And some of these things are just going to be cut and pasted and shared externally. I've always been a believer that what's shared internal is external, that you just sort of have to make that assumption. I think one of the things that actually made things a little bit easier here is the mission and the culture that we have at Indeed, that we are so uh, employee centric and employee first, which is actually music to the internal communicator in me ears, because I am really a strong believer that your first audience always has to be employees. If you are talking about things externally or doing things externally that are not reflected by the employee experience, like that disconnect just is something that's impossible to overcome. So the fact that we were making decisions early on about what was best for employees first, and that we were comfortable with that, if that's what people talked about externally, not that that would be our wish, but that like, hey, we made these decisions based on principles that are core to who we are. And if somebody comes back and challenges us, and as you know, some organizations did, like where we had buildings where a different company was in a different building and they were like, hey, you know, you've put us in this awkward position. It's like, we, we're sorry, but we did what we really feel was best for our employees. Um, I don't know that uh, there's nothing more powerful than that. And I think it's actually very freeing from a communication standpoint to know that that's like, that's the basis of the decision that we have nothing to be ashamed of or need to backtrack on. That's where companies run into trouble if they're not like really truly grounded on those like values and principles. So one other thing that um, we've changed during this time is just how uh, Dave O'Neill, our chief operating officer and myself have been communicating with the company as a whole. If you wanna talk a little bit about how we made the decisions to make some changes just around how our ongoing uh, executive communications work. I think one of the core things to remember is that employees are people. And so if you think about, you know, there's the, like people often talk about like who they are at work and who they are at home. And, you know, through this circumstance, we have sort of become the same, right? Because we're at work at home. And so those lines are really blurred, but in internal communications in particular, I think, because your first bias always has to be for your audience. And so what do they need to know to be able to understand decisions that are being made or what's being asked of them 
If you true back to that, you're likely to make the right decision. And so as this situation was going on, where we evolved from a communications cadence that was really focused around formal monthly interactions with you and Dave to the rest of the organization with more informal things layered in between to there are so many questions and so many issues that are on people's minds and just the uncertainty that it's important to hear from you directly and to see your faces, frankly, and your expressions and to see that you're not like overly freaking out or worried that you're calm and collected in the way that you talk about things really just became more and more important. So that pivot from monthly to bi-weekly to now weekly where we are, um, it just gives people, I think, that much more comfort. And the fact that that interaction, which is largely built around the weekly Q&As that we're doing now, is a little bit about you and Dave sharing, here's where we are this week, and mostly about hearing from them. Um, just gives people, honestly, I've said the word comfort, but I think that's what it is. Comfort, not only that they know that they have this opportunity to ask the questions, but that you're not hiding anything. If you were not getting in front of people as frequently, or maybe only every month or every other month, I think people would be like, what's going on? Like, why are they, why are they not getting in front of us or, or only doing it via email or that sort of thing? So, um, I think it was really a, a, a great decision driven largely by the two of you, which I think speaks a lot to also your understanding of the needs of the organization and seeing the people for the people that they are and that you have this responsibility to, to, to give people voice to their questions and concerns and to know that there are no bad questions uh, and the goal to really just make sure that people understand that decisions are being made with the best interests of the business and the people at, at its heart. What advice would you have for other organizations that are, uh, obviously every organization in the world is dealing with this in one way or another right now. Um, and, and for some, it's a lot more challenging and, and uh, devastating. We're incredibly fortunate that our business can operate in this remote and, and virtual uh, environment. And we were early on, so we didn't really have a whole lot of uh, signposts from other people about what to do, but we've learned a lot along the way. What, you know, what have you learned? What advice would you have for someone else who's a peer of yours at another company who's trying to figure out how to navigate these changes? I think a couple of things. I think one thing is to be true to your your mission and your culture and to use that as the lens through which you make decisions. I mean, that's what companies say that the reason they have values and, you know, a mission is for that reason. But a lot of companies, when, when the rubber hits the road, don't actually do that. You know, the, the economic or the financial decisions are, you know, what drives the decision-making. Um, I think that is something that came through really strongly here was that our mission and values were how decisions were made. I think the other thing too, is that when you get the chance to take a breath, so in the beginning, it is so much around action, 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 decision, you know, communicate that sort of thing. 
when you get the time to take a breath, it's really important to sort of look at what's working and not working. And it doesn't have to be a big formal debrief. It can be like, hey, you know, 10 minutes with the team, what can we do to process improve because it's not done? We're gonna having to keep continue to do this. Uh, and we did that actually. I think we were maybe about two weeks in, the crisis team got together and said like, how is this going? What are some things that we need to tweak? And so on the communications front, for example, we said like, we need a much clearer racy on who is the responsible person to sign off on things because we had so many people providing input, which is great to get you to hopefully a better product, but it slows the things down so much when speed is important. So sort of laying out principles for how are we going to work? Who are the decision makers? Do we need a decision tree or process to decide like if this happens, then we're gonna take this action. We're gonna ban travel, we're gonna close offices, like those sorts of things. So starting to think down the road instead of just what's happening today makes it a lot easier to make those decisions uh, and then live with them because you, you've made You've had that thought when you're not being barraged with a bunch of incoming information, uh, you've like paused to be able to, to think through those things. So they think to the extent that you can give yourself the gift of time, even if it's 15 or 30 minutes to think through what will those decisions mean, it just gets you to a better outcome. Yeah. And it's interesting. And you had mentioned this before. One of the things that's been the most striking to me is how, um, kind of stripping away formality and complexity. And it's almost the simplest things that have been most impactful of all of the, the things, just setting up a single email address where anyone in the company who had a question could email COVID-19 at indeed.com and know that someone was gonna read that and make sure that the right person saw that question and was able to figure out the answer to go from these more formal presentations to let's just get in front of the entire company once a week and let people ask any questions they can. It, those are almost the most impactful things is just the, the simplest stuff. Yeah, and it goes to the point a little bit that I was saying before about people are just people. Is that, you know, like, hey, if you were talking to a bunch of friends, you would just like gather your friends and you'd say like, hey, here's the thing. And then like, let's take some questions, you know, or have a conversation. You wouldn't create this like really formal structure. And so while it is work, it is different. The, the principles that drive people are really the same and, and they want to be seen and heard and know that it's okay to have the fear, anxiety, and questions they have. Um, one of the things that has actually been a little surprising to me is the number of people in the questions that they have submitted to the uh, mailboxes are start with, I'm so sorry to be asking this. I know you guys are really busy. Mm. And I think like, wow, that it just says a lot about the people in the company in general that, um, that there's just this like broader recognition that um, is everybody's dealing with something. They know that there's work going on, but they also feel like it's okay for me to ask this question. Um, there's no uh, sort of, uh, ego or belligerence or anything. It's like, I, I've been thinking about this. Can you sort of help me sort through this? Uh, it's been really nice to see. On a more personal note, what what in your career do you think uh, most helped you prepare for something like this? 
you know, it's funny, I've been thinking about that because it's, it's so unique in so many ways. Um, I will say, unfortunately, I have had the opportunity to, to work through a number of like serious crises at a number of different companies that I've worked at that have been more internal to the business as, as opposed to obviously big global situations like this. So, but I think that has prepared me for the, like, let's be calm, let's get the information we need, let's think about those like downstream things that we need to know so that we can be thoughtful about what we're doing and not just be causing more, more confusion by what we're putting out there. Um, so I think that has been helpful. I think this uh, everybody being at home, like whole new world sort of thing, um, probably less from what I have faced in other jobs and maybe just more personally, like having kids in different parts of the country and, you know, how do you just stay connected to the people who are really important to you and, you know, share good news, bad news, um, try to get underneath like what you're seeing when you're not sitting in a room with somebody. You know, I just think those sort of like life skills that you learn have sort of helped me. And especially I would say in like leading a team, helping them feeling supported, letting their, them know that their concerns are important to me and are heard and that, you know, where I can, I'm going to take action. I think those sorts of things of just living in this world that's just driven so much more by technology. I mean, how lucky are we now that we all have Zoom? I do a, I do a Zoom um, gathering with my brothers and all of my nieces and nephews and my kids every Sunday. Um, and we were joking last night that, wow, we talk to each other and see each other more now um, that we did before this. And just, but how much fun it has been like we've really enjoyed sort of, we have, we, we've been creating like themes every week. Um, so um, it's just been kind of fun. We've learned things about each other that we sort of haven't tuned into in a while. So sort of another one of those unexpected um, surprises that's come from this. So I think that that's a great lead into, um, I think the, the last question and a good way to wrap up is what do you think in this experience will really just change how we work uh, as, a, as a business, how, how you operate with your team and, and maybe even a society. What do, you, what do you think that we will take from this experience right now that, that will just be different um, when, we, when we get to the other side of this? I know what my hope is. And I, I think my hope is that we can all sort of retain some of this assuming positive intent sort of idea which I have really seen people extending in a much broader way than what I've ever seen before. I mean, it's words that are easy to say and much harder to do, but I do really see it in practice today. And so I hope that we are able to bring that back to work when we go there, that instead of just jumping to assumptions or judgments when things happen, when we don't have the full story, to just take that pause to say, you know, let me understand a little bit more about, you know, why this or that and, you know, how could I have influenced that or changed it or that sort of thing, as well as continuing to foster the relationships that we've built this way that are formal and informal at the same time. Like I just know personally, I'm so looking forward to having the opportunity 
to sit down with people and have coffee um, or, you know, have lunch instead of like grabbing my coffee and having lunch at my desk every day, which is literally what I was doing until now. Um, and having it not be the same five people, because I, I've literally met people that I don't know I ever would have met if not for all of this. And it's like, how can I keep that going? Um, and I've also found a lot of these like funny connections just because something somebody might see behind me, like, Oh, the other day I was talking to somebody, I had my Syracuse sweatshirt on and they were like, oh my gosh, did you go to Syracuse? They're like, oh, I did too. Uh, and so like those kinds of things, bringing those back to work to just keep the human connections that have oddly in this separated circumstance we're in have, are the thing that has really come to the front. I can't thank you enough, uh, obviously, for spending the time this morning talking, but but really for everything you and your team have done to to help you know be the glue, um, keeping us all connected through this. And it's been an extraordinarily challenging time for people personally, um, for all of the the obvious uh, reasons of what's going on in the world and and our families and communities around us. But to to be able to have something that could easily be stressful in that we're dealing with all this stuff and then, oh, and I have to go to work, where I think a lot of people have actually been able to find some, as, as you use the word comfort, um, that, that we've been as to be, be able to kind of come together as a community to help support people through this. Um, it really could not have happened without, without you and, and your team just diving in the way that you did to, to help carry us through all of this. So thank you so much, Laura, and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for your leadership.